Welcome ladies and gentlemen. Gather around and prepare to dive into another heartwarming episode of Coffee on the Couch, your one-stop shop for positivity and inspiration. Brought to you by the incredible team at Positive News for You, a digital newspaper committed to brightening your day with uplifting stories from across the nation and the enchanting New England region. Today, we have a special treat in store for you, so grab your favorite cup of coffee, find a cozy spot on the couch, and let's embark on a journey of optimism and good vibes. When you tune into this podcast, you can expect that the conversations will always be enlightening and the coffee will always be dark. So join us as we explore our guests' incredible stories. Today's guest hails from Hubbardston, Massachusetts. He's a licensed NRA, firearms instructor. He's also extremely passionate about our sovereign rights as American citizens, presented and provided to us through our Bill of Rights as well as our Constitution. Tune in to the end to hear our candid conversation about some sensitive topics. Coffee on the couch will be starting in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and we're live. Welcome, dear listeners, to another enlightening episode of Coffee on the Couch. Today, we're joined by a pivotal figure in the realm of firearm education and responsible ownership, Mr. John Demalia Jr., as a dedicated firearms instructor, John brings a wealth of knowledge and a passion for empowering individuals with the essential skills for safe and responsible gun practices. Join us as we delve into the intricacies of the Second Amendment, discuss practical tips for home defense, and explore the unique qualities that make the U.S. approach to gun ownership distinct. Get ready for an insightful conversation that aims to educate and enlighten you on the critical importance of responsible firearm ownership in our society. So welcome, John. Thanks, Chris. Good morning. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. And um, you're actually, so this is kind of a, a unique guest appearance too, because you're um, the first um, firearms instructor I've had on, on the uh, on the show. I've I've had some authors, some CEOs, some directors, uh, illustrators, and a few others to name, but never a firearms instructor. Always so. good to be the first. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, definitely, definitely. So um, I thought we'd start with a quick little how we know each other which um either of us can take uh you know you might if you want to speak to that you can sure so. yeah, i believe you actually took a, a basic firearm home safety class with me back in early 2000 2020 sorry early yep. 2020. yep <laughs> yeah 2020 yep <laughs> and uh so that was a really insightful um class t- too because i really wasn't sure what to expect and then going through it, I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, this is pretty good stuff. All right. I am a this little This is going to be a good tour. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And it, it did shine through in a positive way for sure, um, which is why when I was thinking of guests, I was like, hmm, I wonder if he'd be interested. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, introduction. 
can you share a bit about your background, including your experience with firearms and your journey to becoming a firearms instructor? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been an instructor for a little over 11 years now. I believe I've taught around 3,000, maybe a little bit more than that now, students, the basic home firearm safety class. But I also teach some other classes hmm. as well, including live fire and um, a shoot, don't shoot class and, and a few others. So I've definitely taught a few thousand students at this point. Um, but hmm. I've been shooting since I was a kid, five or six years old, shooting with my grandfather and my parents. Um, then as I became 21, I purchased my own firearms and I've been carrying every day since. Um, I continuously mm. take new classes to, to better educate myself, make sure that I'm on the top of my game so that I'm teaching the most relevant and current information to my students as well. Uh, laws are always changing, so I have to constantly keep up with the ever-changing nonsense <laughs> that is Massachusetts law. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, for sure. It's uh, And Mass is quite the unique place for few reasons <laughs> but, you know, so. I, i'm quite passionate about firearms I, I do my best to make sure that i can teach and educate everyone on how to be safe and responsible as well as to try to alleviate mm -hmm. some of the nonsensical fear that's that's been spread around a lot lately well that's good that's good and that is um two really prescient things safety in terms of firearms and getting rid of some I guess you could say stigmas of firearms right. in, especially in a um, certain political realm. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right. So, and actually, you know, it's kind of funny. It's uh, just a quick little aside. I don't know if you can see my cup, but uh, <laughs> can you read that? No, it's too close. Oh, okay. It says uh, mandate minding your own business. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, you know, by a uh, a great company up up in this area called Toxic Masculinity. Yep. They have all sorts of like pro amendment, pro Second Amendment stuff, and this is probably the least colorful piece that they have. <laughs> if more people uh, minded their own business, the world would be a better place. <laughs> yep. Sure would. Sure would. <laughs> All right. So understanding the Second Amendment, in your view, why is the Second Amendment crucial and what unique role does it play in the United States compared to other countries? All right. So the Second Amendment, in my opinion, is, is the most important because that's the one that allows you to protect and defend all the rest. But basically, that entire Bill of Rights is not a permission slip from the government. It's saying you as a human being have these rights simply by being a live human being and that the government has no ability to interfere with those rights. And so it's not saying, hey, if you're good, we're going to let you guys do X, do Y, do Z. <laughs> it's saying we as a government have no authority or right to interfere with any of these natural, God-given, whatever you'd like to call them, rights. And the Second Amendment mm -hmm. very clearly states the right to keep, meaning own, and bear, meaning carry, arms, meaning every single type of weaponry in existence, shall not be infringed. So every single mm. gun control law on the books is a direct violation of that, is the, of that right. Um, and mm -hmm. 
what makes it crucial is that the the ownership of those firearms is what allows you to protect yourself from a theoretical tyrannical government that may try to infringe upon mm-hmm. those rights so because we have the ability to own those weapons it allows us to protect the rights it allows us to prevent the government from coming in and trying to infringe upon any of those rights that are in the bill of rights and other countries mm. just don't have that no no other country in yep. the world has that no other country in the world has a bill of rights set up that way it's a permission slip mm-hmm. from other countries it's saying hey mm-hmm. right now we're going to allow you to do x y and z if you're good yeah yeah and um you know one of the i think one of the real critical elements of that is shall not be infringed 100 percent. i say yeah. in my class what would you tell the forefathers to change that to like if you were like hey in the future there's some confusion. What would you ask them to say differently other than <laughs> the right to own and carry all guns shall not be infringed? I mean, that is yep. direct to the point and concise. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. And that leads nicely into our next question, home defense and the right to bear arms. Mm-hmm. So you've discussed the importance of being responsibly armed for home defense. How does the Second Amendment empower individuals in safeguarding their homes and what practical steps do you recommend for responsible firearm ownership right so even though like i said with the second amendment the point is to be able to protect yourself against the a tyrannical government a very nice added fringe benefit of the second amendment is that you may also protect your <laughs> home against anything that might try to encroach upon it right so you get mm-hmm. to you can protect yourself and your family inside or outside of your house but against not just governments but also people who would like to harm you or steal from you or do evil or crazy things um so it allows mm-hmm. you to have that that safety in your own home and like you said, though, you also have to be responsible about it. You don't want to allow individuals who you don't want to gain access to your firearms to use them. You don't want to let children hurt mm-hmm. themselves with those firearms. So you do need to balance that um, by also being safe and responsible. And that means properly storing your firearms, keeping the ammo away from them when the guns are not in your direct control, having reasonable mm-hmm. safes, not you know a cardboard box. It, it has to be something that can effectively prevent that unauthorized access to your firearms. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And those, um, and I'm sure you go over them at length in your courses, but those are really pivotal because, um, and I'm sure somewhere in here we'll get into it, but statistics on, you know, on misfires and like um, issues of that sort, especially with kids and whatnot in the house, you know, working to better safeguard that in our homes which is something i really think you did a good job in the course i was at Mm -hmm. in explaining the importance of not just yeah great i got a gun Uh, okay now i can go shoot and be billy bad you know but i have to be smart about it i if you have kids kids aren't well, kids aren't re- really smart at a certain age, so, you know. The way I phrase it in the <laughs> class is they actively try to kill themselves. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you say, yeah. they do, so, you know, exactly what they do. Yep. <laughs> yep. So education is very important. Educating your children is, is crucial. If you're going to have firearms in your house, it can't, in my opinion, it cannot be this big hidden thing because kids are naturally curious. Mm-hmm. And if you have this thing that you don't let them ever see or touch, the second that they're physically able to, they will. 
they will seek out that thing yep. that you refuse to let them to see or understand. So that that's the way I handle oh, it. my kids is is education, right? From a very young age about not only its mm-hmm. its dangers, but also what it is, how it works, what it does, all that stuff. So that you remove some of mm. that curiosity, that whole, you know, thing that would pique their interest to go seek something out because yep. you you let them see it, you let them touch it, you let them understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is part of the responsible gun ownership, right? You know, 100%. so. 100%. Um, so getting into FBI statistics mm-hmm. on home invasion. Yep. Um, you've mentioned before FBI statistics on home invasions. Could you elaborate on how these statistics influenced your perspective on personal and family safety and how they underscore the importance of self-defense. Absolutely. So specifically for home invasions, the, the number is 1.6 million home invasions per year in the United States. I, I believe they said that boils down to one every 30 seconds in the United States. Um, wow. You know, now obviously there's a lot of homes in the United States. It doesn't mean it's going to happen to you this year or in your entire life, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it won't happen. It absolutely can. I personally mm-hmm. know some family members that it has happened to. Um, so when you're mm-hmm. talking about 1.6 million times a year, and what a home invasion means is somebody breaks into your home with a weapon while you're there, whether that weapon's a gun or not. It is a violent incursion mm-hmm. into your home while you are there. A burglary is when you're not mm-hmm. there. A home invasion is while you are. So 1.6 million times somebody breaks into a home while the people are there inside that home. And for me, the entire reason why I carry a gun is to protect my family. That, that is the entirety of the reason why I carry a gun every day on me is to protect my family. Um, so mm-hmm. just being home does not necessarily mean that you are safe. And if I want to be able to protect my family, whether we are home or not, that, that means you need to have a gun inside the home that's that's readily accessible. Whether it's on you, mm-hmm. which is what I do, or just readily accessible, which is another perfectly valid option, but it, it needs to be available. Now, outside mm-hmm. of the home invasions, the, the FBI statistics for firearm usage to stop a violent crime is actually two and a half to three and a half million times a year a gun is used to stop a violent violent crime in the united states so that's inside or outside of your home when you when you compare Mm -hmm. that to the statistics of of the you know the negatives of guns which is they say is about thirty three thousand people a year are are killed from firearms and you know we could break down that number but thirty three thousand people are killed but two and a half to three and a half million times a year guns are used to stop a violent crime. Mm-hmm. And, and if you take even the smallest percentage of those and say, hey, a gun stopped somebody from being hurt or, or murdered in those two and a half to three mm-hmm. million times, you're talking about a factor of 10. So 10 times the people are saved than people who are hurt by firearms. Mm, definitely. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, there's a few things that I think of that um, – Maybe we'll get into, I'm sure we will because of the topic, but, um, you know, when there's an active shooter, what stops them? A hundred percent. That's what I preach in every class. No active shooter in the world has ever been stopped by anything other than the arrival of another gun, period. Whether that is a civilian or a police officer, no active shooting ever stops until the arrival of that next gun. So if the gun's already there on a trained and, and responsible civilian, then that active shooter will be stopped much quicker. If you have to wait several minutes mm-hmm. for the police to arrive, stage and come in, it's going to be a lot more deaths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm sure you can speak to this, this, uh, philosophy does 
posting a sign somewhere or making a new law that says guns are illegal for bad guys to have, does that stop them? Do, do they sit there and go, oh, my Lanta, I'm in a gun-free zone. I can't do anything. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. They decide to shoot up a school. They go to the school. They see the sign on the door, and they say, ah, oh, crap, can't, can't, can't shoot up the school today. No guns are allowed here. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, of course not, right? A piece of paper never stops anything. A law never stops anything. These, these are criminals. That's the definition of a criminal is somebody who does not break – I mean, does not follow the laws – if somebody's planning to rob a bank or do a drive-by or commit a murder or, or do a mass shooting, certainly a piece of paper is, is never going to stop them. Or even the threat of, of a new gun law, right? Murder is already illegal. Mm -hmm. Shooting somebody's illegal. Assaulting somebody's illegal. All these things are already illegal and it's not stopping them. Adding yet another gun law yeah. is, is absolutely not going to stop, prevent, or limit anything. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, um... <laughs> had to get that out of my system. <laughs> I feel like you remember my class very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Just a bit. It was very thoughts. impactful. <clears throat> so, um, all right. So constitutional rights in daily life. How do you see constitutional rights, particularly the bill of rights playing a, a role in everyday life for American citizens and what advice would you offer on exercising these rights responsibly? Yeah, so we, we touched on this a little bit before, but like I said, the Bill of Rights is not a permission slip, right? It's it's saying you as a human being have these rights, all of them, right? First through the, yep. whatever we're up to now, those are your rights that you are granted as a human being. And exercising those rights is important um, because it not only reminds you, it reminds those who are in authority over you that these are your rights, right? And, you know, sometimes that's why you see those First Amendment auditor videos on Facebook. And, and I have a love-hate relationship with those. I like that they're exercising their First <laughs> Amendment rights, but a lot of them act like jackasses and, and they're really just trying to cause problems, <laughs> right? So yep. you have to be careful, but you do need to exercise your rights. And more importantly, you need to know what they are. And, and I feel like that's something mm -hmm. that's hugely lacking in our education system now and, and i honestly believe that's for a reason um but they really don't educate you on your rights anymore or what they are they don't talk about civics they don't talk about the constitution um so it's really up to you to make sure that you and, and your family and your loved ones do understand that and that you are exercising them and, and like i mentioned that second amendment the right to keep in their arms is what allows you to protect the rest right with without that the bill of rights even though it says they're your rights and that the government can't interfere you have no ability to stop an armed government from interfering with those rights and, and right. have something to be able to stop them. Right. And you can see that in other mm -hmm. countries where <clears throat> they, they trample all over people's rights and they put them in camps and they, they round them up, yeah. you know, right. They do whatever they want to do. And, and they, a lot of times mm. it becomes genocide. In a lot of these countries where guns are taken away, it becomes genocide. They, they are allowed to do whatever they mm -hmm. want. They round up people who disagree with them politically, religiously, whatever, and, and they kill them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you get to that point where um, um, you lose the ability to defend yourself and uh, it's problematic because the government, they're a well-armed government, they can come in and just be like, okay, yeah, so that whole thing about, um, you know, not having guns, well, we have the guns now, and you're defenseless, so yeah, um, you're going to do what we want and say, or we're just going to kill you. 
So the uh, premise of other countries and how right. um, how their laws are different than our laws and how they can basically just say, okay, we're taking away your firearms and now you're subservient to us. So by the way, we're making all these new laws and um, right. Like in, in Canada, you can go to jail for things you post on Facebook. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. If, if they deem, if they deem it to be incorrect or hate speech, uh, yep. you can go to jail for saying something. I believe yeah, using I, in, in, incorrect pronouns will send you to jail in Canada. I believe that's nuts. And my wife wonders why I don't want to yeah. get a passport and travel with them to Canada. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> But uh, all right, so we'll uh, we'll I think we kind of touched on that one a lot, but uh, we'll we'll move to six. So okay. access to firearms. Discuss the significance of quick and secure access to firearms, particularly in the context of home defense, and how can responsible fire owners firearm owners strike a balance between accessibility and safety. So what I always teach in the class is that the reason people are getting their license and then eventually a gun <clears throat> is for a reason, right? There, mm -hmm. There's a reason in their mind. There's something that they're afraid of, nervous of, worried about. Um, and that's why they're going through this process to get their gun. So the mm -hmm. important thing is that you can get to the gun for whatever that thing is that you are concerned with. So specifically in terms of home defense, right? Are you worried somebody might break in at night? Uh, does your spouse work second shift and you're home alone with the kids or whatever, whatever your scenario is, right? There's a reason why you're buying the gun to feel safer. And there are other options. You don't have to get a gun. You could get an alarm system, deadbolts, a dog, put baseball bats around your house. You could take some self-defense classes, right? There's other options you could do, uh, but you're choosing the route of, of a firearm or you may already yep. have a firearm in this case. So if you fool yourself into thinking you're safe by simply having a firearm, but having that gun stored in such a way that it's impossible for you to get access to in any reasonable amount of time, you were actually worse off than if you hadn't bought the gun at all, because mm. you would have done some. You would have done something else to feel safe or be safe. Yep. You would have got those alarms or the deadbolts, et cetera, et cetera. You would have done something different, but you bought the gun, so now you're like, all right, I'm good, I'm I'm safe, and and you no longer worry about that anymore. Mm. But the issue is, if you're storing that gun in a way that you cannot get to it within a reasonable amount of time, you're now worse because you have nothing. You have nothing yep. available to you, and and the number is supposed to be ninety seconds. That's the number that they recommend is that you can get the gun from wherever it is and have it 100% loaded, ready to go within 90 seconds. That is mm -hmm. not an easy task. It is certainly <laughs> the more the more secure you keep your firearm, the more difficult that, that number is going to be mm -hmm. to reach. Um, but it is something you want to keep in mind, right? And you can't just say, well, you know, I'm going to practice getting my gun. So I'm going to stand in front of my gun safe at two in the mm -hmm. afternoon after my third iced coffee of the day and say, all right, <laughs> I'm going to set my stopwatch timer, go. Can I get it within 90 seconds? Because you have to be realistic with yourself. Is the bad yep. event ever going to happen when you're standing in front of your gun safe? Yeah, really. Not, right? You're either going to be asleep or downstairs yep. or or outside or wherever it is, right? You're not yep. going to be right in front of that gun safe. So that's what you need to be keeping in mind is how can I get to the gun for whatever that event is that I am concerned mm -hmm. with? And, and if it is at night, then, then you need to be practicing it. All right. So what would it look like for me to be able to in the pitch dark, because it's nighttime, my eyes haven't mm -hmm. adjusted, so I can't turn my light on or anything yet. Can I get that gun loaded and ready to go? And, yep. and what I usually pre preach in the class is that if you are unwilling to keep a firearm and a loaded magazine in the same locked container with each other, that gun is never going to be for self-defense. 
Yeah. Because you are not going to be able to load a magazine in a real world event. You are going to have what's called an adrenaline dump. Your body is going to go into that fight or flight response mode. Mm-hmm. It's going to put adrenaline into your system, which causes your heart rate to elevate significantly, your breathing to increase your breathing rate to increase significantly. Your hands will get sweaty. Your brain no longer thinks the same. So it gets Mm -hmm. this fight or flight response mindset. You lose peripheral vision, Uh, fine motor skills start to go away. So now if you try to load a magazine during that adrenaline dump, it's it's never going to happen. It absolutely Mm -hmm. will not. So the bare minimum is gun and loaded magazine in the same locked container. And if you're not Mm -hmm. willing to do that, then I would recommend and suggest you find something else, one of those other options to, to be and feel safer in your home. But if mm. you are willing to, then what you need to do is just practice getting that gun from however you would like to store it, right? And when a gun is in your direct control, and that means you and only you have immediate access. So that's what direct mm. control is. Um, or you and somebody else who you wouldn't mind if they touched your gun. So like my wife, right? I wouldn't mm. necessarily mind if my wife needed to grab my, my gun. So as long as it is in our control, for that example, in my bedroom, mm-hmm. I can keep that gun as loaded and as ready to go as I am comfortable and trained to have it. Meaning one in the chamber, safety off. So mag in, around in the chamber, safety off, if that's the way that I am comfortable and trained to have that firearm. Um, Now, when I walk away, obviously it's different. I have to take the ammo out and it it can still be in the same lock container, but it has to be outside of the gun. Um, But Mm -hmm. you need to decide for yourself, right? So my scenario was, I'm afraid someone's gonna break in at night while I'm sleeping in bed. Well, when I'm sleeping in bed, that gun can be loaded and ready to go all the way to one in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if, if I'm more worried about watching TV downstairs and I have my gun locked upstairs in the gun safe, well, then I'm going to have the magazine outside of the gun. So yep. in that scenario, what I'm going to practice is getting upstairs, opening my safe, loading the magazine in and, and racking around into the chamber. Um, mm-hmm. And then also if my gun has a safety, I need to practice turning that off as well. So wherever you leave the gun from, whether it's the magazines out to the magazines in to the around in the chamber, whatever, wherever step you leave it, you want to practice and drill finishing. So getting mm-hmm. it from however you're storing it to completion, ready to fire without any mm-hmm. more steps. And you drill and you practice and you practice over and over and over again until you don't have to think. It's what's called muscle memory. It's why mm-hmm. soldiers in the army during basic training do things tens of thousands of times so that when they're in, in the thick of it, they're not thinking, they're reacting. They're, they're doing yep. what they've done tens of thousands of times. And that's the mindset and the, the muscle memory that you need to build for yourself. And that means practicing in, you know, set yourself, set your phone alarm for two, three in the morning, wake up out of a sound sleep and see how long it takes you to get your gun ready to go. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. please don't use real bullets in your gun when you're, when you're practicing, <laughs> of course. right? Don't set an alarm for three in the morning and try to fumble around <laughs> with, with live rounds. You yeah. Use your dummy, use your dummy practice rounds and, and practice with that. But mm-hmm. that's the importance is, is thinking ahead of time. Why do I want this gun? What's it for? And how am I going to get it? for when that event happens and mm. then practice to make sure. Now, if you're at two minutes instead of the 90 seconds, I'm not going to tell you, you know, that that's ridiculous and you need to change something. <laughs> but if you're at five, five, six, 10 minutes, that's, you need to change something. Right? Yep. You, yep. 10 minutes is far, far too long. At that point, you're dead. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. At that point, whatever, whatever was happening has already happened. And, <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it's over. Yep. Now it's curious. Um, uh, some thoughts occurred to me while you were talking about this, um, and it correlates to our previous questions. Um, so, well, one being the the safety running your kids, running your family through practices of safe keeping, 
And two, what would, um, I don't know if we get into it, but two, what would you recommend as a, in those scenarios you just laid out, what would you recommend as a dummy safe uh, case to use something to secure it in? Right. So the safes that I usually recommend people get, you know, because remember, I'm a little bit different. It's on me from the second mm -hmm. I wake up till the second I go to bed. So so the way I do things is a little bit different. But for the average person, you're not going to do what I do. So you're going to want to have a place that you can secure that firearm, but also get quick and easy access to it. And so mm -hmm. the safes that I like, they're, you know, squares or rectangles, but there's buttons on the top, whether they're just simple circles or they're actually number pad. And mm -hmm. you put in your combination of those buttons and then the, the front of that square or rectangle swings down. And, and inside there's usually like a shelf. So you can have one or two guns or a gun, a couple of mags and a box of ammo, something like that. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you can feel that, right? You can reach over, feel the buttons without necessarily turning a light on or looking. You memorize your code by feel, you type the code in, the door swings down and there's your gun ready to go. So you grab mm -hmm. your gun in your magazine or you grab your loaded gun. Um, that safe can be secured down and bolted to something or it can also be portable. You could simply like, well, at night, I'm going to bring the little gun safe down with me into the living room. Mm -hmm. Or you could even have two. They're not, they're not very expensive. They range from like 70 to a couple hundred bucks. Um, mm -hmm. So you could have a safe upstairs and a safe down. So when you're downstairs, you secure your gun in the safe in the living room. And then when you go upstairs at night, you, you put it back up in the safe up in your bedroom, something like that. But the, mm -hmm. those are the quickest and easiest ways to access it, right? If you have key locks or um, cable locks or anything like that, it's going to be difficult for you to quickly get that gun if you're fumbling around where is my key and then trying to fumble around with the key in the lock <laughs> or remember spin spin little you know wheels to type in your number combination yep. any of those things is going to be an opportunity for you to fail mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because like you said with the uh the brain the way it works in fight or flight you may actually even forget your code and be like was it a four or five was it a yeah, yeah. So. Your hands will be shaking, right? I'm most, yeah. I'm sure most of you have seen that when you get in some type of near miss car accident or something like that, something that mm -hmm. really scares you, you get that adrenaline dump and then your hands are kind of like doing the shaky thing. That's yeah. your body processing that adrenaline and, and good luck trying to, to do those fine motor skills or like putting a key in a lock while your hands yep. shaking like that. Oh yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Even just like, uh, cruisers behind me turning on the lights and i'm like was i speeding was i like is it for me <laughs> so exactly and then you get that little shaky feeling but it's going to be that times 10 you know yep yep because i mean that's a small cosm it goes away someone breaking into your house where you live there is an right. immediate danger like okay um something's about to kick off so hundred percent. Yeah. You, your body will do things that you've never seen it do before. And <laughs> it makes it very difficult. Yeah. Now, um, you may have touched on this, but how do you relate to getting the kids involved with like, okay. Um, if he can walk through maybe a process of, okay, this is over here. Do not touch it. That like, and walking through the process of why not, what's there, um, within right. those regiments. 
So, so, so the way that I, that I chose to do it. And one of my recommendations in the classes is I, I start from very young, you know, but zero to two, right. It's, you can't reason with a child that's zero to two years old. Right. Um, But what I try to impart on that is hot, don't touch. Right. Cause usually at some point along that zero to two years old, they understand the like hot, don't touch description. Mm-hmm. You still have to not be dumb. You have, you can't leave a loaded gun around in a place where a two year old can touch it. Right. Of course. I mean, there has, there has to be some responsibility and some common sense in it. Mm-hmm. But, but because like I said, I, I carry every second of every day that I'm awake. So there's always just a one-off once in a million chance that they could see my gun or, or for touch my gun for whatever reason. Right. So, I do want to impart on them that knowledge that they should not be touching it as young as, as I can. So that's mm-hmm. where I start. Then, then as they get from the two to, you know, 10, 12 age, then it's the more conversations with them about how guns are dangerous and they can hurt people, right? You start with hurt. You don't, you don't tell mm-hmm. a two, three year old that something, somebody's going to die. Right. <laughs> but you, you start with the hurt, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, don't touch this. You could really hurt somebody. This is daddy's. You never touch it unless mm-hmm. I let you. And then I say, okay, this is the gun, right? I've made the gun safe and I'll show them those steps. I'm making the gun safe. Look, I'm checking to see if there's any bullets in it. There's no bullets in the gun. Would you like now to, to see it and touch it? Mm-hmm. But you can only do this when you ask me. But mm. what I do is anytime that my children ask me, hey, dad, could we see, touch, do whatever with your guns? My answer is always going to be yes. No matter how tired, annoyed, angry, busy, whatever I am, my answer is going to be yes. And that mm-hmm. way, the children know that the easiest way for them to gain access to my guns is to ask, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I say no, then they may or may not want to do that behind my back. But if the answer is always yes, why bother going through the trouble or the possibility of them getting in trouble when all they need to do is ask me and the answer will always be yes. Mm-hmm. Now I have BB guns for my kids, right? They have Nerf yep. guns. They have all these things. But I, I make them treat them exactly the same as if they were a real gun. They have to follow mm-hmm. the same rules no matter what we're using um, so that they keep their finger off the trigger. They keep the gun pointed in a safe direction, right? All of those rules I drill and ingrain in them from a very young age. And then when they make a mistake with those guns that aren't fatal, then mm-hmm. I can correct and we can learn with a BB gun, right? So I, I make sure that those get included in my conversations and my training. But there's other things you want to talk about with them too, right? Like if something bad happens, just like you have a fire evacuation plan mm-hmm. or drill with your children, you also need to have those kind of conversations. Hey, if something ever happens and I, and you see me with my gun or you see me get my gun and I say, do whatever, go to the bedroom, go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. lock the door. This is, this is what I would like you to do. You know, I mm-hmm. want you to go to this room. I want you to lock the door and I want you to grab your cell phone and call 911 or whatever your plan is, right? Just right. like with a fire right. plan, there's, there's individual things. There's no one way to tell your kids how to get out of their house and go meet mm-hmm. at XYZ house. Not everybody has the same house, the same layout or the same yep. meeting place. So you need to have those conversations with your kids. If this happens, this is what I would like to see you do. Mm. And, you know, if, if you feel comfortable doing some type of drill, you can, or if you feel like that might scare them, then you don't, right? You're the parent. You have to make your own decisions here. But I do think it's important to have those conversations. It's also just important to have conversations in general about guns with any kid yep. because they may encounter them outside of your home. You could have right. a completely gun-free home, and that doesn't mean that they're not going to go over, you know, Joe Schmo's buddy's house and see a gun <laughs> there or yep. or in the playground or outside in the woods or a- anywhere, right? So it is important to have all of those conversations with your kids so that they know what to do and how to do it and when to do it. Most certainly. And it brings up an interesting point 
particularly in my neck of the woods with the Lewiston issue, um, kids, if you have them at a point where their their brain is kind of in a method of like, okay, in these situations, don't freeze up, do what I'm being asked of, and this could save my life, you know? Right. So. Because yep. kids um, naturally want to ask questions, right? So if you're like, go to your room now, they're going to, why, why, yep. why, right? But if you've already talked to them and you say, hey, when you when you see this, you need to do this immediately. If I say go to your room, there's a reason you do it right now. They're going to yep. be less likely to question those those whys or want exactly. to see what's going on because they're going to I, I, it will more than likely scare them, but they're going to take it seriously if you're scared versus curious. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. And that could be the difference in, you know, uh, microcosms of a time could be the difference of something disastrous happening or getting to a safe zone and letting basically the authority, whether that be your parent or whether that be someone else coming in to take care of the situation. So Right. And it, and it lets it lets you take care of the situation too if you need to, because if I'm worried about the kids or trying to get them where they're supposed to be, I'm not focused on the, the problem. Right. I'm yep. focused on getting the kids to safety, which means I'm not doing what I need to do, which is stop that person which means Agreed. I might get hurt or somebody else might get hurt. So yep. getting the kids to understand and to do what they need to do with as little direction from you as possible is going to help significantly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we've basically, we've gone over seven already. That was, <laughs> we were just uh, yeah. going over that one. So we'll, we'll jump to eight. Um, global perspective, highlighting the uniqueness of American rights, and how does the U.S. Constitution, especially the Second Amendment, differ from legal frameworks in other countries, and what, in your opinion, makes our approach distinct? So we, we've touched on this a little bit, but it's it's mm -hmm. that same point of we say here that these are our rights and the government can't interfere with them. Other countries don't do that. Even countries right. that do allow gun ownership, it's a, it's a privilege. It's a privilege yeah. that may be, be given or taken at their leisure. And it's the same with all of, of those other countries and all of their rights, not just the second amendment. It's all of yeah. them. Every single thing granted by these other countries is a privilege that may be taken for whatever reason they feel like, you know, in Canada, they just banned all handguns, all rifles, all, all basically everything. Mm. Um, because it's not, it's not written as it's a human, right? It's written as a, Hey, you guys can do this. And now they've decided, Hey, you know what? No, you can't. And, and that applies to every right. And that's the problem. When, when the governments get to decide what your rights are, who gets them, when they get them, why they get them, then mm -hmm. that means you have no rights. You're under, you're under the full authority of, whatever your government is, wants, or says. Definitely. Now, um, this, uh, speaking of all this talk, Canada, um, makes me think of recent, within the last few years, it's still kind of a sensitive subject, but the trucker convoys, um, mm -hmm. you know, that was a point where people were just trying to exercise their right as citizens to, no, we don't want to do this. And, they were hailed as terrorists, as criminals, as 
people their bank accounts yeah exactly we had a small amount of that here too we had we had the same kind of nonsense get this get this shot or be fired and the government interfering Mm. and saying hey two companies tell your employees they are required to get the shot because they know we have yep. our bill of rights, so the government couldn't force us, but they could ask companies to force us. So that's that's how they got around that. Uh, yeah. but it's the same. T- it's the same type of thing. Yes, and the, you act like the government is oh, this definitely. great good when the forefathers described it as a necessary yep. evil. I mean, there's the government is simply mm-hmm. run by human beings with power, and and as we all know, power corrupts. Yep. I mean, that's just the way it works. Yep. When you give any one individual yep. power or any group of individuals power, there's a tendency to abuse that power over time. Definitely. And I think that's one of the precipices we're at right now where um, a lot of people say, well, America, the great America, the free America that like, well, maybe at one point we were more free, but we're steadily moving in the direction of a not so free nation. So, I, you know, I actually 100% agree with you. And a fun little question I ask everybody who takes my classes, I want you to try to think of a single thing that you're allowed to do in your life that doesn't require a fee, a license, permission or a registration to do it. Yep. And I have yet to ever receive an answer because there is <laughs> we, we, exactly. we assume that we take for granted that we're free, but we're, we're absolutely not. Um, there yep. literally is nothing, nothing in your lives that you guys are allowed to do without really some form isn't. of permission, license or registration. Yep. Yep. And it's, um, it's unfortunate because you think of like, I can't even imagine what the world was pre nine 11 anymore. Like it's just mm-hmm. so ingrained. I'm like, Oh yeah, there was a world without TSA. Like, yeah. Without being strip searched in the airport for the last 20 <laughs> yeah. something years that has yeah. stopped exactly zero terrorist attacks. Right? Exactly. So <clears throat> It's every time something scary happens and yep. we've seen it, like you said, with 9-11, like we saw with COVID, every time something scary happens, we all want to feel safe and we're totally mm-hmm. willing to turn in and give up every single one of our rights for that false sense of security. Yep. And then, then they're like, oh, by the way, um, yeah, that thing, eh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. None of the things have ever actually made you safer. The Patriot Act didn't make you safer. The TSA didn't make you safer. Right. The COVID shot didn't make you safer. (laughs) The masks didn't make you safer. So it's again, we all just everyone should make their own choices. The government should provide these choices. You know, would you like to go and get this shot? We think it might help. Then you may get to make a choice. Um, But forcing you is the problem, and that's that's what's always my concern. The government's job is to educate, not to dictate. And, you know, it's curious, um, there's, there's, there's a one particular person that I really, um, I, I've written some articles about him in my uh, publication. He's probably the only one that went toe to toe with the government and he got a lashing for it, but his stuff got out. So Edward Snowden, you know, yes, um, absolutely. he, uh, he was at the precipice of like having access to basically everything. And saying, you know what? Uh, screw you guys. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Granted, he got some fallback from that, and he took some very severe precautions. But apparently, now he's a Russian citizen, and ha- his wife is there. He's got a kid, and he wrote a book. But uh, the U.S. was like, "Yeah, you can publish the book, but you're not getting any money from it." <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, so I think of that sometimes because I'm like, okay, you know, 
And he's had some interviews where he talks about it, where he's like, um, I had a point where I was like, okay, I can sit back. I can live my life in comfort and begrudgingly do the work, knowing what my government is doing, or I can make a stand and tell the people. So, and I mean, we saw what it got him. He'll never be back in the U.S. Not, not with right. the, yeah. you know, right. not, not with things the way they are. If he, if he ever steps foot on American soil, he'll be in a black site. So exactly. Yep. They don't, they don't like being told on. Nope. <laughs> nope. Sure <clears throat> don't. Um, all right. So let's see. Uh, the right to carry. You mentioned caring even while at home. Could you delve into the reason for you behind this choice and how it aligns with your commitment to family defense? And now a word about a coffee company we're an affiliate to. Fight Coffee doesn't just offer delicious coffee. They're also dedicated to a powerful cause fighting human trafficking. And I've got to tell you, the Rwandan dark roast is something to savor. It's not just coffee. It's a flavor-packed experience that coffee connoisseurs will absolutely love. So let's talk about the Rwandan dark roast. This coffee is a work of art capturing the unique essence of Rwandan coffee beans. When you take that first sip, you're immediately greeted with a bold and robust flavor profile, you'll find deep notes of cocoa and dark chocolate accompanied by a subtle hint of red fruit acidity. The texture is full-bodied and velvety, making it the ideal choice for those who crave a rich, satisfying cup of coffee. But Fight Coffee is about so much more than just great coffee. They're on a mission to fight human trafficking. When you choose Fight Coffee, your purchase goes directly to organizations tirelessly working to combat this global issue. It's a way for all of us coffee lovers to make a meaningful impact and join the fight against human trafficking. So when you sip on Rwandan Dark Roast, you're not just enjoying a delicious cup of coffee, you're taking a stand against a grave injustice. It's a small, significant way to contribute to a brighter, more just future. If you're as excited as I am about this incredible coffee and this impactful mission of Fight Coffee, you'll want to head over to their website and support this cause. And when you do so, make sure when you're purchasing it that in the special instructions box, you put C O C, and that will let the owner of Fight Coffee know that you are supporting not only his organization, but that you want to support his affiliates, us, Coffee on the Couch. So, with that said, uh, stay tuned because we'll be working with Fight Coffee in the future, bringing you exclusive information and insights as part of our affiliate marketing partnership this is your chance to make your coffee count but thank you for joining in on the fight 
can end human trafficking one purchase at a time. We'll have all the links and information you need in the show notes, so be sure to check it out. And remember, when you choose Fight Coffee, you're not just savoring coffee, you're brewing change one cup at a time. So, with that said, back to our podcast episode. Thank you. Have a nice day. If you found value in that promotional clip, let us know in the comments below or email us directly at cl71088 at gmail.com. We now return to our podcast. Absolutely. So again, we, we, we've touched a little bit on these things, but first was that 1.6 million home invasions a year, right? Just, mm-hmm. just being home does not mean you are safe. And a lot of people get that false sense of security that nothing would ever happen to them inside their house. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, that's, that's just not accurate, right? And the other reason, which I told you guys was my only reason for carrying a gun every day was to protect my family. And mm-hmm. protecting my family, that job does not end just because I've stepped inside the foot, the walls of my home, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you there are many things that could happen and it doesn't have to be some crazy bad scenario with a bad guy breaking in. It could simply be a rabid raccoon that's trying to attack my kids out on, on my play set. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to need to go either wrestle the raccoon or run upstairs to my gun safe to go get a gun ready to go. I want to be able to charge out the door with my firearm and stop that raccoon right away. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are millions of different examples where a firearm might be something that you would need while inside your house. Is it going to happen? Probably not, right? Just like everything else, bad stuff doesn't happen to everybody every day, but it could happen. Right. And the whole reason for me having that gun is to protect my family. So I don't want to delay anything. I don't want mm. to delay my response to any event. And of course, I would end up just charging out and doing whatever I needed to do without the gun. But what good does it do if I then end up getting hurt or killed and then my kids are still left there exposed to whatever the bad situation mm-hmm. was, right? If I have three people pull up in a car and try to break into my house and I go to fight them hand to hand, I'm more than likely not going to win that confrontation, right. but if, but if I had my gun on me, I damn sure am going to win that. Confrontation, <laughs> yep. Right. So b- because of how seriously I take my training, I would be very, very confident that I could take on three individuals, even if they were armed with my mm-hmm. firearm, but I don't think, and, and I have taken uh, self-defense classes. I'm a black belt. I, I don't mm-hmm. believe that I could take on three men in a hand to hand situation. Right. I absolutely could with a firearm. So, for me, that's it. Like I said, it's to protect my family. So that doesn't change just because I'm inside the walls of my home. Mm. So I'm going to have that gun on me every second of every day so that it's always immediately available. Forget 90 seconds. I got two seconds and I'm going to have that firearm there and ready to go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. It, uh, it's a good response. And actually, um, speaking of home invasion, so my pastor, uh, maybe a week, uh, not a week, a month ago or so, um, just some random person that we suspect was a mental um, patient broke into their house, like middle of the night, broke into their house, sitting in their living, like their kitchen going, Mm -hmm. uh, okay, hey, where is so-and-so? Where I need to talk to so-and-so. And, And, you know, my friend Bobby, the pastor, also a veteran and an armed individual, um, he was like, uh, what are you doing in my house? Yeah, you because know, he was kind of thrown off by it, and uh, yep. the guy, the guy was just combobulated, discombobulated. He's like, okay, so they called the authorities. I believe it ended up being like a mental patient or whatever, but um, yeah, exactly. that could have gone sideways. Evil. 
Yeah. Right. But, you know, yeah. not everything's about evil or bad or, you know, it could be somebody who's on drugs or it could be, like you said, somebody who's having a mental health issue. We have a massive mental health crisis going on in this mm -hmm. country right now. Um, and, and I see it all the time. So you're right. You never know what could happen. It doesn't have to be some some big evil guy doing something evil. It could just be somebody who's a little bit not themselves right now who might harm you or your family. Yep. Yep. And yeah, because I mean, mental health issues, especially like schizophrenia and all those things, you're not mm -hmm. really rationally thinking. And the things you you see are not really reality a lot of times. So exactly. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's uh, dangerous for that area, too. Um, all right. Let's see. Um. 10. So we've probably touched on this by this point, but uh, legal and ethical considerations. Balancing the right to bear arms with ethical considerations is essential. How do you guide individuals to understand the ethical responsibilities that come with firearm ownership, especially in self-defense situations? Right. This, this is actually a great question. I was really glad you put this one in here. Um, but the way that I teach it and the way that I tell people is that you have no control over what's going to happen legally at the end of whatever's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. The way our system works is you got you got the police do an investigation and decide whether or not to arrest you. Then you got the D.A. who's going to decide whether or not to charge you. Then you got a judge or a jury who's going to decide whether or not you're guilty. None of that stuff should be, play any role in your immediate mindset of what you should do in any given situation. You do what you think is right, right? You have a conscience. You know what you believe is correct and what is not correct, what is good and what is bad. So you're going to do what you believe to be the right thing to do in the situation. And the second point is that you make sure that you and your loved ones are alive at the end of it. Everything else mm. is going to work itself out and it doesn't matter what happens, right? I would rather have my kids be alive and then me be in jail or, or yep. I would rather be in, in a long court battle and still have me be alive, right? Yep. So never worry about the legal stuff in the moment. You do what you believe to be the right thing to do in the moment, but also make sure that you and your family or whoever you're trying to protect in that moment is alive at the end of it. Everything mm -hmm. else is going to happen no matter what, right? You, you could do every single thing exactly right, save lives, and it doesn't mean that you won't have legal consequences or civil yep. consequences after. So, you, you know, owning a gun and carrying a gun means that you might end up having your life be ruined using mm -hmm. that gun. That, that's what it means, right? You, you could you could see in New York when, you know, the, the guy in the subway was attacking people, the guy choked him out, the guy yep. ended up dying, and, and now that veteran, is, is his life is ruined, and he's being charged with killing this guy who was hurting yep. other people on the subway, right? He, he did what he thought was right. He protected people's lives. There's no doubt about mm -hmm. that. He saved lives, but now he's still got to deal with the legal stuff. So you Definitely. can't worry about that. You, you have to just do what you think is right. Yep. And there was actually, like, there was video footage of this guy tweaking and yep. still they're like yeah no that's whatever you know you did this that's political. you killed them that's po yeah it's yep. political that's that's 100 what that is it's political they don't they don't want you standing up for yourself they don't want Very you protecting so. others and you can look at a few of those examples too i mean look oh, yeah, at absolutely. the the biggest one in the last five ten years george floyd you know mm -hmm. i mean that guy more stuff comes out about him and you're like 
why is it that people are hailing this guy as some sort of a hero? He was not. No, he was a horrible person, right? You know, we could have discussions about police tactics and whether or not that whole kneeling on the back of the neck thing is an appropriate restraint. But in the moment, they did what they were trained to do. And he was certainly not an upstanding citizen. And, and, you know, what happened, happened. But yeah, yeah. Same same with Kyle Kyle Rittenhouse, same thing. Oh, yeah. Yep, I mean, whether time. or not he should or shouldn't have been there doesn't matter. He's an American citizen. He had a right to be there. And those yep. were three clear-cut cases of self-defense. Uh, anyone with any reasonable integrity would look at those videos and say, yep, he was protecting himself. Exactly. Can argue, I, don't, I don't think he should have been there, but that doesn't matter. He had a right to be as an American citizen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's... But there, his life there's, will never be the same. Gosh, there's... Yeah, no, I sure won't. But there sure are a lot of memes about him now. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent, but yeah, I mean, he, he got kicked out of his college. He'll never have a normal yeah. job. He he will yeah. never have a normal life for the rest of his existence. Yeah. And I guess that goes to the narrative. Um, and this isn't per se. I don't think a question I have, but the narrative of at one point, what is worth more? Your principles, your values, the things you believe in gets to the ethical aspect, I guess, or just being subservient and like, hey, not my problem, not my circus, not my monkeys. I'm over here mm-hmm. doing my thing. So, right. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at a lot of those examples. Um, well, like I was just talking about Edward Snowden, he had that precipice where he could have lived in sub, uh, basically obscurity. He could have never said anything. He could have just put his nose down to the grind, done his work, and begrudged it, and be miserable, really, knowing what he knew. Right. But uh, what would it amount to? I mean, we like. Can you imagine a world where there was no Edward Snowden case and like the things that didn't come out from that? I mean. Not only has it influenced a lot of people's perspectives, but even my laptop has a privacy filter. Like I can shut my webcam filter so there's nothing coming out of my webcam. It'll still hear me, but yep. you know those things. I, I just I generally keep a piece of black tape over my my Surface tablet webcam. I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's... yeah. I I used to do that too, and then I was like, oh, cool. My laptop has a, a little. Thing that you can close the camera off um yep. but uh yeah no uh, th- those things and i think we as a people we as an informed second amendment constitution loving people have to ask our lo- ourselves those things day by day like at what point is what i believe in worth losing everything and at what point do I say, not my circus, not my monkeys? So I believe those are the same questions our forefathers asked themselves back in the day before the revolution. I mean, yep. at some at some point, we will be pushed too far. With what that line is, I don't know. But at some point, we will be pushed too far. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, and contrary to a lot of the people out there right now that are looking for the apocalypse, uh, I don't think it'll be what they're looking for. <laughs> you yeah. know, 
Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of considerations to that too. Like say there's an economic issue. Well, there's a lot of looming situations to that one being medicine, life-saving medicine. You, you mm-hmm. take out the economy, people that are on life-saving medicine, they're one of the first to be affected by it. So. 100%. My five-year-old son's a type 1 diabetic. I think about that every day. Without that insulin, he dies. Yep. Yep. So I do my best to stock up and prepare, but insulin has a shelf life. So I, I it, think about that yeah. all the time. Yep. Yep. I, I have a medicine situation myself where I would not be myself if I wasn't taking the meds I had to take. And, right. um, yeah, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it's those things we have to consider. And yeah, at some point, push comes to shove. And right. You gotta, we you gotta will, figure it out. Too far. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, cultural impact. How do you perceive mm-hmm. the cultural impact of firearms ownership in the United States? And how does this culture influence public attitudes and policies surrounding the Second Amendment? Yeah. So unfortunately, we've had a massive change in in our culture uh, over the last, I guess, probably 50 to 70 years now. But Mm -hmm. about 50, 60 years ago, you could order guns in the Sears catalog and and they would just be (laughs) delivered to your house. Right. There was there was no background checks. There was no 4473 paperwork. There was no government interference with it at all. They actually honored and respected the Second Amendment and you could get guns anywhere. By mm-hmm. with a catalog, a mail mail order catalog, guns would be shipped to your house. Every single vehicle had a shotgun in the back of the, the pickup truck, parked in school parking lots. Uh, they taught the firearm safety class that I teach now to adults to kids in elementary school. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the, guns were treated very differently. They were, then are a significant part of our United States culture. It's what gave us our mm-hmm. independence. It's guns have been a part of our entire existence from inception. Um, but what the big push is now is to change that culture. And, and I believe mm. that they, it, it's taken time, right? It's probably taken the 50, 60 years that it's been, but we are now at a point where guns are almost seen as a bad thing across the board. Mm. Uh, I would say at least 50% of the country now honestly believes that the guns are going to jump up and start shooting people all on their own. <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. you know, I, I have people come take my class who are obviously not gun hating people because they're there taking my class, but they are deathly afraid. They are in the mm. middle of that adrenaline dump scenario that I was telling you about because they are that afraid of the guns, even though I've told them there's no live bullets here today. We're practicing with plastic dummy rounds. Absolutely no one could possibly be hurt. And they're, they're petrified because <laughs> the media, schools, mm-hmm. everyone says guns are bad, guns are bad, guns are bad, right? And, and they've done a fantastic job of scaring people into believing yeah. that, that, a gun, that a gun is the problem, that a gun is what's causing it. And I always laugh and say, well, why? What, what's changed? What, what about the guns has changed now compared to 30, 40, 50 years ago? Nothing. They're the same guns, the same type of firearms, the, the dreaded AR-15, right? Assault weapon, which is another bullshit term, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. is literally the same gun that was used in the Vietnam War. It's been around since the 70s. Nothing yeah. has changed with guns what has changed is our culture our attitude towards respect for life uh, our mental health problems our fatherless homes right there's a million other things we could talk about that causes this this mass shooting thing which again they they way over inflate the numbers the number yep. of mass shootings has not increased su- substantially it has increased but it is not skyrocketed like they want you to believe um 
so we could talk about what actually causes right. these problems, but it's not guns. And that's what I always laugh about is the gun is not the problem. It's always been mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And, and this massive culture swing towards guns are evil, guns are bad is, is what they're pushing for. Now, hopefully we yeah. can reverse yeah. that, but it's not easy, right? You can't talk about this stuff mm-hmm. online. No, you're not going to change anyone's opinion on Facebook. It's never going to no. happen. Oh, no. All you yeah. can do is talk, talk to your friends, talk to your family, you know, people who actually believe or will trust what you're telling to them, back it up mm-hmm. with facts, don't attack, no personal attacks. Don't call me racist. You know, none, none <laughs> of that stuff. Yep. Just come back at it with facts and data and, and try to convince the people you know and love and, and so that they can also convince the people that they know and love. That's that's the only way to change the hearts and minds. Most certainly, most certainly. And to add a little, uh, I guess you could say a little humor to the aspect, um, you know, if, uh, if guns killed people, then spoons make people fat, pencils <laughs> make, you know, uh, make terrible stories, and clothes, exactly. uh, clothes make people look bad. You know, so <laughs> it always just amazes me. You know, they're like, "Oh, we need to be able to sue gun manufacturers." Can you sue Ford because somebody drunk drives their F one fifty into a group of people? I mean, I, I don't know. People just they have no common sense <laughs> anymore, and they they're looking and grasping at straws to try to get rid of guns. Yep. And that's their new one is they want to be able to sue manufacturers and, and dealers because of the objects that they're yep. selling rather than the person who actually commits the crime, right? The person who uses the gun and yep. robs somebody gets a slap on the wrist and gets right back out of jail, but they want to be able to sue and arrest mm. the, the person who sold the guy a gun. It just makes no sense to me. Oh, definitely. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, I just had a snapshot of a reference. Do you remember, like, I don't per se like a lot of his movies, but do you remember the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey? Yes. Yes. And do you remember there was a case in the movie, his assistant was mad because there was a case where someone fell into her, her friend's house, broke into her house, fell onto a chopping block, cut his leg, and then sued the homeowner and won. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a real world case like that. Somebody yeah. was breaking and, in, cut themselves on the window, sued and won. Yeah. And at the time, it was kind of laughable, like, oh, yeah, that's a great storyline. Now we're like, Mm -hmm. that's not so funny. Like, you know, so. uh, (laughs) But, oh, gosh, you know. um, All right. Um, Educational initiatives. As a firearms instructor, how do you approach educating individuals about the Second Amendment? and responsible firearm ownerships. What challenges and opportunities arise in this educational process? Now we kind of, we, we've really talked a lot about this, but whatever's left, you know. Yeah, I, it, we basically were just talking about this in the last question, but yes, it's exactly yep. what I said. You can't, you can't educate people online. And it took me forever to, to finally accept the fact that arguing with with people on social media was was not the answer it was getting me upset and angry putting me in bad head spaces all the time and doing absolutely nothing because i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not going to convince these people online i can post facts and data i can post memes i can post whatever the heck i want but that's mm-hmm. not a proper form to educate I, and, and i just had to accept that me i'm lucky i have my ltc class to educate and and that's mm-hmm. where i take the time to not just go through the basics of fate of safety and handling 
I impart a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about here today, as you remember, mm -hmm. in my mm -hmm. class so that I get the opportunity to bring all of this information to the students who are actually receptive. They're there to listen to me. They're there to learn from me. And that's when I get to impart my knowledge onto them who will then be able to impart that knowledge onto others that know and trust them. And that's what you got. That's what everyone else can do, right? They can mm -hmm. impart what they know, the facts, the truth to their friends and family, people who are actually willing to listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And actually just a funny aside, not only at the current moment do you have your your uh, firearms course, but once this goes live, you have my audience too. So <laughs> absolutely, so, that was one but, of the main uh, reasons why I was really excited to do this. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad, you know, I'm glad because it it it's a uh, it's a mutually beneficial situation. So. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, it's uh, I I have few people that I can have candid conversations about these <laughs> topics. So yeah, that's the problem. It's it's one of those things like they tell you don't talk politics or religion with family, but I mean, if you don't have these conversations, how do you have open dialogue? How do you debate? How do you? That's the problem yep. when you when you when you block certain types of speech, right? When you yep. say you can't say something, you you actually get rid of the debate. And, and then yep. it doesn't allow for a growth of ideas or, or for changing people's minds, right? Mm. There, there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong, but everybody believes that what they believe is right. And if you can't have an open discussion, dialogue or debate, then everybody sits and stews in their own beliefs with no growth. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And um, which at the end of the day, doesn't really do any good to further. It, it doesn't. So. Right. Yep. It's, it's but, uh, as much as as much as Elon's kind of an interesting guy, Elon Musk buying <laughs> Twitter was for that reason, right? He said yep. you, you for a society to exist, you need the open discord. You need to be able to yep. speak. You need to be able to say, and then others will either shoot you down with facts and data yep. or, or you will come around to say, Hey, wait a minute. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, really. And you know what, actually speaking of Elon Musk, um, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast podcast. And man, that was, that was a hard hitting one. It was like three hours of like nonstop, like, wow, wow. <laughs> like, Absolutely. So, but uh, um, yeah, Joe Rogan's another one. He's, he's very uh, candid. So yes. And he's always willing to question his own beliefs. Like he's yep. very receptive, you know, so he, he's not right or left. He's nope. in the middle, but he's, he's very open. He's going to mm -hmm. hear you out. You want to tell him the earth is flat. He's going to listen to you and then say <laughs> yeah. you're dumb, but, yep. but he's going to, he's going to listen, right? He's going to listen to your facts. He's going to question you on those facts. And then he's going to make mm -hmm. his own opinion. Definitely. And, uh, it was a funny aspect of his, his video podcast part of it. Like you can actually see the video. They're, they're sitting in the studio, smoking cigars, knocking them back. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm like, okay, all right. I see you, Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, <laughs> um, all right. So two more questions. Um, mm -hmm. This last one, let's make sure we haven't beat it to a dead horse. But um, Close on this one. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. All right. Uh We'll uh we'll we'll basically get whatever is left there and then we'll jump to fifteen yep. and so family discussions on safety. 
encouraging discussions with family on safety plans is vital, how can families effectively communicate and practice these plans, ensuring everyone is prepared and on the same page? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We we have right. talked about this one a lot. So Yeah, um, the fire safety drills, the same type of thing. You come up with your with your gun drills, yep. whatever you want to do, whether that's in your house or outside, right? I mean, you could have plans for outside too. You could say, hey, if, if this happens at a store and we see somebody with a gun, I want you to do X, Y, Z, right? It's same stuff but it's important to have to have those plans to have those conversations and not just with your kids with your spouse too you can set expectations for what you would prefer her to do and i mean you can come up with an agreement yourselves mm -hmm. um but it might be to secure the kids it might be to back you up right and again that depends mm -hmm. on your family situation if you're if your spouse or significant other is is trained and armed then maybe the best solution is to help you. Or if they're not as trained and they're not armed, then the mm -hmm. best solution is to help you not worry about your, your kids and to get them to safety. But those are just discussions and plans you need to come up with exactly like your fire evacuation plan. You come mm -hmm. up with a, as, together as a family, you make a plan, you discuss the plan. Most certainly. So lastly, um, this one I think has some, uh, some potential to it. Um, Looking ahead in a rapidly changing world, how do you envision the future of the Second Amendment and firearms ownerships in the United States? And what challenges or opportunities lie ahead for responsible gun owners? So we're at a crossroads, I think. And for a while, I didn't see it ending any other way other than some form of revolution, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But but now I do see a glimmer of hope where I think we are still at the crossroads. And that's with all of these, these uh, federal court and Supreme Court rulings overturning some of this unconstitutional nonsense. Mm -hmm. But if you remember from before, every gun control law is unconstitutional. There is not one yep. single gun co control law that holds up to the sniff test about whether or not it's constitutional, because it is infringing on your right to, to own and carry arms. And that's yep. that's period, right? That that's the end of it. So every gun control law is unconstitutional. But they were passing more and more and more. I believe at last count it was well over thirty three thousand gun control laws on the books in this country. Mm. Um, but these major ones, the assault weapon ban, the high capacity magazine ban, the limits on eighteen year olds buying guns, all of these things, they're being overturned rapidly uh, mm. at the federal levels. So because of that, I see somewhat of a hope that maybe the second amendment can can stand on its own without some form of violent altercation mm. um but we do still have the culture shift that is not changing i have not seen any positive change in the culture shift well i i guess to be fair the gun ownership has never been higher right uh, the, we're not we're now over 50 percent of, of households in the united states own guns well mm -hmm. over 500 million firearms um but I guess what's pushed on TV and the media and, and the news is that guns are bad and that, that I don't foresee that changing, right. but I guess the people maybe aren't buying it as much as they once were. Um, because if they were, I believe we would be seeing a decline. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be seeing 30 people here in Massachusetts taking my LTC class tomorrow. Right. It, right. it wouldn't, I would be seeing a decline in those numbers. I would be seeing less and less people buying guns. And, I, and I'm not seeing that. So mm. it might not be quite as bad as as I foresaw it to be, um, but there's still going to be that push. That push is never going to go away. There are people who legitimately think guns are bad and they want to see guns go away because they don't want people to be hurt. 
And those are not the evil people. Those are just the misinformed. But right. there are the bad people, the evil people who want your guns taken away to prevent you from being able to protect yourself and your rights. And, and, and those are the ones in power. Those are the ones in our government. Those are the ones trying to pass the gun control laws. They know. They know very well what they're doing. It is not about your safety because if yep. it was, they wouldn't have armed security guards themselves. So they know what they're doing and it is strictly yep. to prevent you from having the guns you need to defend your rights. So hopefully we can we can convince others and we can put new people in place who will support our Second Amendment and all of our other rights for that matter. They're all trampled mm -hmm. on, but we need to get rid of. We need to clean house. We need to get all of these people out and we need to put new people in who will honor and respect our rights. Definitely. So it's on us. It's on us yep. to change the way we vote. It's on us to educate our friends and family. It's on us not to just say, well, it's uncomfortable to talk about this, so I don't want to. It's on us to decide and prioritize what's important to us, right? Every single candidate that runs has a multitude of different issues that they believe on, believe in. You need to decide which ones are the most important to you. And I'm asking you to consider that firearm ownership should be one of the most important, regardless of anything else, because that's the one that's going to allow you to protect yourself and, and make mm -hmm. correct problems that may come up in the future. Mm. Good word. Good word. Um, so there's a quote that I think. Uh, would be perfect in this situation when we're talking about government. And if you want, we can talk about it or we can just yeah. move to the outro. Um, so it's a quote, I believe by Ronald Reagan. And he says, the most uh, scary words are, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I'm here to help, <laughs> exactly. 100% <laughs> nothing truer has ever been spoken in my life. I mean, that is the most factual statement that I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> the government, uh, whether their intentions are good or not, is going to mess up every single thing they put their hands in. And you've seen it. I mean, everyone yep. has seen it. Every time the government touches something, it comes out worse than it was before. <laughs> every yep. time. I, I can't think of a single example where the government doesn't touch something and it comes out better, right? It, yep. Every time you remove government from whatever the conversation is, the, the, it will fix itself, right? That's yep. what capitalism is. The free yep. the, the free market corrects itself. It does cause blips of bad, right? If unchecked, yep. you could have somebody who dumps poisons into the environment. You could have somebody who puts out bad quality food that gets people sick. You could have people selling you snake yep. oil. But the free market will correct itself because once people mm. realize that it's poisoning or hurting or killing or not doing what you said it does, they're not going to buy from you anymore and it will fix itself. Exactly. Now, the government interferes, puts in regulations, puts in all this stuff, and it just makes red tape, bureaucracy, government involvement, insane tax rates, and it still doesn't stop those people from doing it anyways. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, we can talk about checks and balances, but there's there's workarounds, you know, there's, there's yeah. just like with uh, the stuff we were just talking earlier, like, okay, yeah, so we can't physically make you get the shot, but we can take away everything from you until you decide to get it. So exactly. So, yep. um, yeah. So there's a, Oh boy. Um, man, if we had a whole day to talk about this, <laughs> I could, I could sit here yep. and talk with you about it for the, probably a week. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So as we wrap up this enlightening episode, we sincerely thank you, John, Damalia Jr. <laughs> for sharing your wealth of knowledge and expertise on 
responsible firearm ownership, your dedication to education, and commitment to fostering a safety culture are commendable. We hope this discussion has provided you, our listeners, with valuable insights into the nuances of the Second Amendment, home defense strategies, and ethical considerations accompanying gun ownership. Remember, knowledge is a powerful tool, and as responsible citizens, understanding our rights and responsibilities is paramount. So until next time, stay informed, stay safe, and keep the conversation brewing. If you enjoyed that podcast, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. As a result, you'll be notified every time there is a new episode published. So stay tuned for more enlightening episodes straight to your living room. From your friend and compatriot in the world of podcasts, we want to express a huge thank you for your continued support and feedback. Well, Positive News For You wants to express its gratitude for not only engaging in our podcast, but also for reading our articles relating to the guests on Coffee on the Couch. So thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Goodbye for now.